Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hepner with my co-hosts, Leslie Hoskins and Timothy Cunio. So how has everybody's weekend's been? It is a Monday when we're recording today. So what's going on? It's been good. I had a great weekend. I was lucky enough to go to the uh, volunteer engagement event that we had on campus this last weekend. It was so fun. There were like hundreds of volunteers and people were driving for quite a distance. I talked to somebody who drove over four hours to get there. Wow. It was so much fun. But you guys, we've got a lot of compliments on the podcast. That's awesome. Our volunteers are so dedicated. It's great. It's insane. I learned so much and about so many different roles. I had no idea half the things that people are out there doing, but it was really cool. And I got to talk to uh, Timothy, the driver that you had, Mike, when he uh, drove you just this last time. He was so excited that he had got a shout out. So I'm giving him another one here. Um, But yeah, it was really great. We got a lot of nice compliments. So it was good to hear. That is awesome. And I wish I could have been there, but I could not. What are you doing, Christina? Why couldn't you be there? (laughs) I'm flying out for a nonprofit summit this week. So I had a lot of packing and all that. And then my parents had an event at their house. So I had to go to that. All right. That sounds almost excusable. I'm just kidding. No, you (laughs) have a lot going on. You have a lot going on. Timothy, what were you up to? Well, this weekend was my grandbaby's first birthday. So we went down there and spent uh, about four or five hours there. Had a good time. So that baby put her face in the cake and everything. <laughs> so it was wild. That's was always wild. the fun part. Cake and face. Yeah. I love watching babies on yep, their first it birthday. Was. It's so cute. Half the time they don't really get into it. They're not sure. And then other times they just really go yeah. for it. They're discovering and it. And then once they decide it's good. Yeah, the mother opens up all the presents for the baby and everything. So I, I'm looking forward to when they turn three or four, when they get to tear into it and stuff like that. So. <laughs> Yeah, that is so exciting. Then they're just so excited to open gifts. I love, they'll get like underwear and they're like, oh my gosh, mom, did you see what I got? Because they're just so excited. But then I'm told you get to like a a next age when they're like six or seven and they're like, but I already have this. Or I didn't want this. I didn't ask for it. And you're like, smile. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I got nothing that matches this shirt. Oh my gosh, it's going (laughs) to clash. Oh yeah, that's what's going to happen when they get older. Yeah. Leslie, I can't wait till your kids are teenagers. I feel like they already are. <laughs> Honestly, at three and five, the sass that I get from both of them, they're the, oh, I don't want to. Like their life is so hard. Yeah. I love hearing stories about your daughter. She's she's questionable at best, but she is really, really <laughs> cute. And uh, I, I don't worry about her so much in the world. I do worry about others. Yeah. For her or, you know, the interact with her, but I don't want to. <laughs> She'll be just fine in life. She'll be just fine in life. But anyways, thank you everybody for being here. We are super excited to get today's uh, episode going because today we have two very special guests in studio with us to share about not only their personal experience. Yes, we have Kate Roberts and Sarah Dyke and Kate Roberts has been with Leader Dogs for the Blind for 10 years. She's from Iowa originally and moved out to Michigan 10 years ago when she received the Guide Dog Mobility Apprenticeship position. Kate is now a Guide Dog Mobility Instructor and the supervisor of the Deaf Blind Team. She has a master's degree in rehabilitation and mental health counseling from the University of Iowa. Throughout her college education, Kate worked at a dog daycare and boarding facility, and she was seeking a way to combine her passions for working with canines and humans. And working for Leader Dog has allowed her to explore both of these passions. 
And when not working, Kate likes to cook, do CrossFit, and puppy raise. And she's about to receive her fourth puppy to raise, which is super exciting. And Sarah Dyke is a guide dog mobility instructor on the deaf-blind team at Leader Dogs for the Blind. And she has been involved with Leader Dogs since high school. She's raised five future Leader Dogs with her family and has worked at Leader Dog in the role of GDMI since 2013. She also hosts Ambassador Dog, Vader, and Sarah has a bachelor's degree in sign language studies from Madonna University and is a certified American Sign Language interpreter. So that's a lot. <laughs> and she recently completed, so on top of that, she's also completed her degree in orientation and mobility from the University of Kentucky. And she had an internship at the Helen Keller National Center for Deafblind Youths and Adults. And just this morning, we learned that Sarah has officially received her certification. So she is now a certified orientation and mobility specialist. And that is a lot of accomplishments for both of you. I could barely get through all of that. <laughs> man, it made me tired. <laughs> I'm like, man, what am I doing with my life over here? <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, ladies. And I'm telling you, this, this, what you guys do has always intrigued me. So, Kate, tell me what your team does for Leader Dog. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us here. So on the deaf-blind team, we work with individuals generally who are deaf and blind and need some more potentially individualized instruction. So we work with individuals um, at a ratio of two to one instead of three to one, which is the typical capacity of an instructor. And just as vision loss occurs on a spectrum, so does hearing loss. So we work with our clients to figure out what the best way is to communicate with them, to give them the instruction that they need to be successful with their guide dog. What you guys do is absolutely incredible. Like Timothy said, it is so interesting to observe and to watch because I think the dedication on both sides, your guys' ends as being the instructors and then also the client's side of it. You know, everybody has to be all in and really work hard at it. So it's absolutely cool. But Sarah, do you mind telling us a little bit about how you became a certified American Sign Language interpreter? Yes. So I originally, what I wanted to be when I grew up was an interpreter. So that's why I went and got my undergrad. I was going to be an ASL interpreter. And I got all the way through my undergrad and I was working on getting my certification in the state of Michigan. And then I had a meeting basically with one of my advisors and he brought up the good fact that people who are deaf also need professionals in the field who can sign. And so it was just a really nice way to combine both of my passions. I was always a dog nerd as a kid and <laughs> I love working with people. So I love this job and I feel lucky to have it. Yeah. And I think Sarah, is when people think sign language, but then they think of someone who's blind, can you talk about what type of sign language you use? Because I think it's so interesting. Yeah. So it definitely exists on a, on a continuum. So like Kate had mentioned, there people tend to, the majority of clients that I work with at Leader Dog have Usher syndrome. And with un Usher syndrome, you kind of lose your vision gradually as you age. And so at the beginning of vision loss, somebody might access sign language in a very typical way. So you might not have to make any accommodations. But then as their field of vision narrows, I might bring my hands closer to my face, keep my signing space more narrow. I might move further away from that person so that I can be within their field of vision. And then as their vision continues to narrow, I would move to something called tracking, where somebody keeps their hands on my wrists and keeps me within their field of vision. And then fully tactile is when somebody has no vision that they can use to receive sign language. So then 
their hand, my hands are in their hands when I sign. So it's still American Sign Language. There's just a little bit of a way that it's different because with ASL, all the grammar that you use is on your face. So then you put that on your hands for tactile. Wow. That's the biggest thing that just fascinates me, how you communicate with somebody who is blind and deaf. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you have dealing with a client that has those two things that's against them? There really is no one blanket answer for that. Um, People who are deafblind, you know, they exist very much on a continuum like we've been talking about. And there's no one answer fits all. Everybody kind of figures out what works best for them at any point in their life. And that is one of the biggest challenges that we face is making sure that we're providing services in a way that fits the individual. So we do a lot of in-person meetings rather than relying on videos so that we can actually get to know the individual and their communication preferences and needs. Um, And then that might change on the situation. So for example, somebody who can see some in the day might be totally night blind. So very much dependent. And so Kate, how many people do you have on your team? Because this is such a specialized skill and you guys are working with such unique individuals. And like Sarah was saying, each training session is so different, right? It's one-on-one instruction, really, in the sense that you have to make your instructional plan specific to that person's needs and then how they communicate. So how many people do you have on your team? But how many people do you guys serve a year? Yeah, you hit it spot on. Everything has to be very specialized. On our team, we have myself and then two guide dog mobility instructors, Sarah and Emily Sharp. And then we also just hired a new apprentice named Mara Turner. So we're very excited to have her on board. So total right now, there's four of us. Um, and Sarah and Mara are our ASL users on the team. So. And so is there any other unique like training that goes into working with the guide dogs? Like is anything different for the dogs that you guys train or no? Really, we try to individualize the training as much as possible to the client's needs. Um, generally, when we're working with someone who can't use their voice, about halfway through training, we'll remove our voice um, from working with the dog. So we'll just be using bodily cues, hand signals um, to get the dog to respond to us. But generally, dogs really respond to our body language anyways. So it's a pretty easy transition for the dogs to just, to, to, um, just use uh, hand signals and body cues. One big thing, too, that often comes along with Usher syndrome is balance concerns. So we make sure we really work on that with the dogs, too, so that they can withstand somebody who might be a little off balance. We tend to like the bigger dogs for that as well. (laughs) Not exclusively, but we do like our small dogs. We do. I think that's so interesting that you actually take away your voice halfway through and don't talk to the dog. I would love to see that. I think that would be so cool. Well, you know, you do that. And then I guess how many clients, because you guys only go into class so often, how many clients do you typically like bring in when you know to bring those clients in? Yeah, so it works a little bit differently on our team. Generally, we know a little bit farther ahead of time who the clients we're going to be working with are. Um, and so that gives us a, a little advantage because for matching purposes and things like that. So you, generally, we know probably three or four months at least ahead of time who we're going to be serving in the next class. And we try to serve at least 20, uh, at least 12 clients per year. And how many of those are deliveries? Because again, that's a whole nother unique situation. I probably don't have a number specifically, yeah. but that's something you guys really take into consideration is whether it's going to be best for the client to be on campus or if it's best for them to be in home to receive that training. Definitely. And that really depends on the client. So it can be two deliveries all the way up to maybe four or five each year, depending on the client's needs that we have. 
And that also changed a lot during the pandemic. It was very difficult for people to travel at that point, especially clients who rely on lip reading um, with the masks and everything. So we did a lot more home trainings at that point. So what's the typical time frame? How long does it usually take you to train somebody who's deafblind? So we actually have a pretty similar training um, process for the clients. The dogs are actually in training usually for a little longer. We can go anywhere from four to six months in training for our dogs. Um, And then when we do serve clients in class, we do the typical three weeks on campus in Michigan. And then almost entirely, if we're working with a new client, we go home with them and provide additional support. Uh, One of my goals, though, definitely moving forward for the program is I would love to be able to offer more uh, support in the home at uh, intervals after they go home. So like at six months, being able to go out and even Mm -hmm. if there are no problems, offer some training. I think that'd be great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Sarah, so you just got certified in orientation mobility. So how do you see this helping in your role at Leader Dog? Yeah. So I, well, I am also kind of, I love learning. So For me, I just enjoyed being able to increase my skills in that way. But the majority of the work that we do at Leader Dog is with the dogs. And we get so few opportunities, you know, throughout the year to work with clients. So I wanted to make sure that we were really offering the best services that we could to our clients. And there's just not that many services available for people who are sign language users to be able to work one-on-one with um, somebody who also signs uh, where Leader Dog is one of the only organizations across the country that actually can offer direct instruction in American Sign Language rather than through the use of interpreters. Many schools often don't even think that people who are deafblind can safely work with a guide dog. So that's really something that sets apart Leader Dog from the other organizations. October is Blindness Awareness Month. And did you know only 10% of people who are blind or visually impaired travel independently with a guide dog or white cane? That means that 90% of people require assistance or don't leave their home. That is a staggering statistic. At Leader Dogs for the Blind, we focus on mobility skills such as white cane training and guide dog training to empower people to travel independently. This training is offered completely free to clients in the U.S. and Canada, including room, board, and airfare. To learn more, head to leaderdog.org. You guys take so much into consideration, like things that I had never thought of before kind of joining Leader Dog and learning a little bit more about your program specifically. Like you guys usually wear a dark colored clothing so that your hands are a little bit more visible if somebody is using um, their site to, to use ASL. You also have much smaller class sizes to take into consideration. So there's not as much background noise and things like that. Is there anything else that makes your program unique or a little different or I guess considerations that maybe most people wouldn't think about? One thing we really have to think about is weather and how that impacts communicating. So, you know, it gets so cold and snowy here in Michigan. Uh, Having gloves on while using sign language can be very difficult, especially when it's tactile sign language. So... Um, oftentimes we do have a class in Florida that we offer, so we get to get out of the cold weather and get into the sunshine. So that's, that's definitely one thing that we have to take into account on the team. That's huge. I really had not thought about that, but you're right. It's already probably really challenging to kind of hold on to somebody else's hands and interpret everything that's happening. But then you add another layer of, you know, cotton or whatever gloves are made of these days. <laughs> Maybe a nice leather pair. <laughs> Slippery. What about, speaking of weather though, like rain too, right? Like rain is so loud sometimes when you're traveling and we talk about that all the time in O&M. It can be really useful. It can be really distracting. Is that something that comes into play? 
Yes, but it more so has to do with the fact that a lot of our clients use cochlear implants or hearing aids. And so in order to be able to have those safely, they have to have a hood or a covering over them when they're Mm -hmm. out in the rain because often they're not waterproof. Um, And that really can affect somebody's travel because if they're used to being able to use their the hearing that they get through those devices, if you've got a hood over it, completely different. So we kind of address it on a case-by-case basis. We encourage people to be able to experience all kinds of travel environments because that's real life, but we don't push people to do stuff they're uncomfortable with either. So, Absolutely, yeah. especially because equipment is just so expensive. So expensive. Definitely. <laughs> and when you find something that works for you, like I'm sure people are super protective about that. Yep. You guys just do such amazing things. And then, too, another part of, like, your guys' role specifically that I always think about is that, I mean, so normally when we have clients on campus, clients will sit at a dining room table with their classmates and, you know, share conversation and things like that. But a lot of times you guys are maintaining the conversation not only amongst you and the client, but client to client a lot of times. So it's always a lot of work. All GDMIs put in a lot of effort and a lot of work. But that on top of it, that's got to be a little bit draining. Well, and if you also think about it, Somebody might get sick of us, too, if they're around us. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, Sarah. I wasn't going to say it. They're around us all day. Right. When we're telling them what to do with their dog, they just want to have a break. <laughs> <laughs> we do not blame that all. We get sick of ourselves. So one thing that we get to do often is bring in people. Um, we traditionally have called them support service providers or SSPs. There is a change in terminology nationwide that's happening to co-navigators. So I'm going to use that terminology going forward. Um, So co-navigators basically are not certified interpreters, but they are people who know ASL. And so we're able to bring um, these people in and hire them to just be one-on-one with the clients and help facilitate games, conversations, shopping trips. And that way they get a little break from me. (laughs) (laughs) That is so interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's so cool. We also do hire interpreters for group actual lessons or anything that's involved in the training where it has to happen in a group, especially for people who are sign language users, they it, you can't just go back and forth because either A, if they're not using their site at all, or B, having to look and track to see who's signing next is not a very um, efficient form of communication. So we have a really good group of interpreters that we work with here that are kind of used to some of the weird words we use here at LeaderDog. <laughs> <laughs> Our topics of conversation. I know, do you have to make up signs for specific things right because it it is a very unique vocabulary in general like I know there's a vocab list in the instructor's office and then it kind of has like a Spanish version of some of these words you kind of have to do the same yes yes we do just make it up stuff I'm just kidding yeah basically (laughs) this right here is just the perfect example how leader dog is the best organization you guys do things that other organizations don't even think about doing I mean, it's just the cherry on the top. This is why it's so great to go to Leader Dog, the things that we do there. Absolutely agree. And we should probably give Keith McGregor a yeah, little bit a little of a shout out here. He was yeah. kind of the uh, originator of the, the DeafBlind program, and he is retiring this year. And so we are so sad uh, to see him go. But from my understanding, we're going to keep holding on to him a little bit longer. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's not getting away. Yeah, we just can't quite say goodbye um, because he is absolutely phenomenal um, and has been critical really in this program starting and believing in people who are deaf blind that they can travel independently with a guide dog. Um, So he's certainly very important to us at Leader Dog. Yeah. 
He's I, not allowed to retire. He thinks he is, <laughs> but he's not. Yeah. We'll keep you very busy. He'll be volunteering a lot, I'm sure, <laughs> if you guys have it up to you. Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, you guys have both been doing this for a while now. Do you guys have any, like, moments that you think back on that you're so proud of or that you're so excited about um, when you think back on your years doing this? You know, we were talking about and reflecting on us. I, I don't think there's one particular exact moment. I just really have a passion for seeing um, my coworkers succeed and develop in their roles. And so as the supervisor, I get to help advocate for, for their needs and how we can continue to make this program better. And so I feel very lucky to do what I do. Yeah, and I agree. It's hard to think, to pick out just one moment. So many times people say to me, isn't it hard to give the dog away because you've built a relationship and our puppy raisers feel that too so much. But then there's something so amazing about having this dog that you train go to somebody and then watching them be independent and safe together. That feeling over and over again is what makes this job worth it. So it's definitely not one experience, but an accumulative array of experiences. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And seeing and hearing from people after they've been out in the field for years and they're just such a good working team. Absolutely. It's why we do what we do. I was out visiting a client recently and there was one point at which I thought something was happening with the dog and I was trying to pressure her into doing what I thought was right. But at this point, she knows this dog better than I do. And so she stood up for herself and she said, no, I think that this dog needs this. And she was spot on. And I just really reflected after that experience. I was like, yep, okay. This isn't you anymore. This is them. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Yeah. Like, what yeah. a proud moment yeah. for you. I was so like, proud. Like, you helped them get to that point to know what was right or what was wrong. Mm-hmm. That's awesome all around for yeah. everybody. It was cool. Very cool. That's good. So what's what's happening on the DB team? What's, what's next? Anything exciting? I think we're hoping to expand the program a little bit. We do have the opportunity, like we said, to work um, more individually with the clients um, on a lower ratio. So we're hoping to expand our services and work with um, individuals uh, who might have other additional disabilities, such as memory loss or balance issues, maybe traumatic brain injury, things of that nature. So we can really tailor our instruction to what they might need. That's incredible. And then your background super comes into play there, Kate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I feel very lucky to be able to to apply that knowledge, Um, you know, working as a rehabilitation counselor and that knowledge of a variety of disabilities and kind of getting to apply that um, in this role. So. I think, you, I mean, you constantly have to think outside of the box. I, I kind of hate those terms, but I don't know what else to say here. But <laughs> yeah. right, like yeah. you can see an applicant, understand what their struggles are and then fit their unique needs, but know and believe that they can do it. It's just a different way. And I think that's kind of what we do at Leader Dog in general, right? Is it's, you know, everybody or most people are visually accessing the world. And so we're just coming up with other unique ways in order to do things. And I think that's so exciting to think about serving more people in such a unique way, because this is just not a one size fits all type of training. Yeah, that really is kind of the motto of our team. We just really want to make it as effective for each individual client as we can and make them successful for what their goals are. And I think it's amazing. I think it's something people don't think a lot about. They don't think that people can have multiple disabilities or have multiple things going on. And so I think it's so cool that we are able to provide this service to clients that, you know, maybe thought, oh, well, I'm blind in this. I can't have a guide dog because of this. So I think it's really cool. 
And even if we don't actually end up providing them with a guide dog, we can still be a part of that process of figuring Mm -hmm. out what does fit their lives, which is so nice too. That is a really good point, right? Because we hear all the time that, oh, my doctor said I need a guide dog. I need a guide dog. Mm -hmm. Or my mom thinks I need a guide dog. But it is an individual choice. And to help somebody navigate that is crucial too. So whether or not they end up with a guide dog, you've at least eliminated one option. Here's some other resources, some things to check out. That's a really good perspective. I haven't really thought about that. Thanks, Leslie. <laughs> like, yes. yes. Podcast done. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Um, and I'm super excited because we got one more on the O&M side too. So just for <laughs> our listeners here, I it's was okay yeah. for our guide dog mobility instructors to also be Team King. Yes, absolutely. Um, I was so waiting for Leslie to say that. Like I was like, when is she going to say it? I know she's going to say it. And Sarah's not the Every only podcast. one. Now. No. So we've got Sarah and another team member, um, Meredith, who also is completing her internship right now, and she will then be a GDMI and a comms, which is very exciting to continue to just have our professionals continue their education, right? In so many different ways, it's only helping our clients, which is really what we're all about. Any last words, anything else that you want to share about what you do or your role at Leader Dog? You guys honestly do so much. Not only, again, just to reiterate, not only are they uh, guide dog mobility instructors and comms and supervisors, but also you, Sarah, host one of our Canon ambassadors, Vader, yes. who we absolutely love, and Kate, you puppy raise. So you do kind of these extracurricular roles, what we <laughs> yeah. say? Like They're doing the most. Roles. They really are. <laughs> we are. Well, very much all about leader dog. <laughs> and we're super lucky to both do something we're passionate about. So yes. I try not to take that for granted either. And yes. we're lucky to be supported by leader dog as much as we are too. Well, anytime I go to an event, I do like to take Vader with me. So. <laughs> He's a lot of fun. He loves to go. <laughs> he loves his treats too. He really loves good. his treats. <laughs> yes, our canine ambassadors are uh, kind of our dogs who... We're career change for various reasons, but we use them for different events for uh, what we call blindfold walks to kind of provide people an opportunity to get a little idea of what it's like. Not, of course, any sort of real understanding, but a little bit of an idea what our clients are going through. So Vader is one of those lucky Canon ambassadors that we get to take, and he is so much fun. And Kate, you are about to pick up your next puppy. I we are probably at middle to end of October. We're very mm-hmm. excited. I think we might be switching to team uh, team girl this wow. time. So wow. I'll let you know how that goes. Yes, <laughs> still a lab. Are you going to uh, get a lab? You I think. think uh, yes, I think a full lab. So. Oh, what about Goldens? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I the webs are the best. That's because Christina's a Golden. Yeah, uh, I've been told multiple that. times yeah. that I'm yeah. a Golden. Nobody likes the Goldens. It's fine. <laughs> Take special people. Oh, okay. I'm just you know what? I think we're done here. <laughs> Wrap it up. No, we love all the dogs. We love you, Christina. Thank you, ladies, for joining us today. Seriously, uh, so insightful of what you guys do. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. And thank you so much for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm Leslie Hoskins with hosts Timothy Cuno and Christina Hapner. We hope you enjoyed hearing about the important work that Kate and Sarah are doing at Leader Dog. And please join us next week as we continue to dive into the world of blindness. And if you'd like to learn more about applying to our free services, you can head to leaderdog.org or call us at 888-777-5332. And don't forget, you can reach us at takingthelead at leaderdog.org with any questions or ideas. If you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream.